If you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And you can just take my volume down just a touch there, Dennis. Dennis? Okay, perfect. This morning, we're in a series called More Than Conquerors. Uh, It's a series that we started uh, to parallel something that's happening with our men at Gateway, but we felt like it's something that we needed to uh, engage with as a church. What are the things that Jesus has done and made available to us to live out a life that is a conquering life? And this morning, I want to start with talking about everybody's favorite subject, pain. <laughs> Isn't that, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Right. Life is full of pain. It's, there's suffering, there's heartbreak. If you've never experienced any of that, I'm sorry to discourage you, but you eventually will. It's part of life. It's part of living in the world that we live in. It's a wonderful and encouraging way to start a sermon on a Sunday morning. But there are some tremendous truths in the Bible, uh, and I want to read something from Isaiah 61 that actually pushes against the reality that we see in the world. It's what the prophet Isaiah spoke about, about the Messiah, about Jesus in the Old Testament, and what Jesus actually spoke in the synagogue as he stood up one day to start his earthly ministry in fulfillment of that prophecy. I mean, as a quick rabbit trail, I think this is so incredible. There is a theological truth. It's this. Jesus is the Word. He is the living Word. The Word made flesh who dwelt among us. The Holy Spirit worked to inspire people, like the prophets and the biblical writers, to write down and to share God's word in written form. And then Jesus, who is the word in the flesh, he physically enters into human history as a human child. He grows up, and at exactly the right moment, he stands up in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth to declare what the prophet Isaiah who he inspired to write over 700 years beforehand. He stands up to speak out those very words in person. The people in the synagogue that day were his family, his friends, people in the neighborhood. They knew Jesus. That's Joseph and Mary's son. (laughs) But little did they know who was actually standing in front of them. As I preached a couple of weeks ago, King Jesus was standing there speaking to them. And I want to read this to you today. Just the first couple of verses. It'll come up on the PowerPoint as well. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Why? That he may be glorified. King Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. 
King Jesus, the conquering king, came to set his people free in every kind of way possible. And now that you guys are excited, I can see it in you right now. You're totally excited. Let's come back to suffering and pain. All right? Around the globe, but certainly in Western cultures, we tend to do everything we can to try and avoid pain. We, do, we just don't do certain things because it might bring us pain. We deny pain by saying, oh, it's not there. We close our eyes. We put our fingers in our la, 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 la. You know, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not there. We deny it. People put billions and billions of dollars into, into drugs and alcohol, whether they're legal or illegal, to medicate or to numb our pain. We do everything that we can to escape feeling pain. But it is part of our life. It is actually a signal to us that Something needs attention. I get it. Pain isn't fun. You know, I, I like you, I don't regularly get up in the morning and go, wouldn't it be nice to feel some pain today? You know, no, nobody does that, right? But there is a reality, a reality to the wounds that we have in life. See, when we experience pain, a wound is left behind that needs healing. Something has touched us. Something has perhaps wounded our heart. Whether it's our heart, our mind, our body, our spirit, a combination of those things. Sometimes it's all four of them at once, depending on what's happened. But to borrow from our set-free retreats that I, I do regularly with our team and the Conquer series that our guys are going through right now, emotional wounds have three sources. Things people do to us, Things people take from us and our very own sin. We've all been wounded by the fall when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. We've been wounded by our own sin and other people's sin towards us. And here are my choices. I can either get into a process that moves towards an experience of healing those wounds, of receiving fullness and abundance that comes through meaningful and intimate relationships with people and with Jesus. Or I can refuse it. I can refuse to experience healing. I can keep people and Jesus at a distance. And I can try to medicate my pain in some way, shape, or form. Those are my options. See, the reality is, that when pain comes into our lives, we can't go around it, we can't go over it, we can't go under it. We actually, well, the only way to truly deal with pain is to go through it. And that is a hard truth for lots of people. Ow, 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 make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. Right? We want it to be over right now. But the way is through especially in our culture where we like to avoid pain. We want an easy fix. We prefer, you know, to only feel pleasure and comfort. Another reality is, is that if we don't deal with life's wounds, our wounds will deal with us eventually. They just will. It's like those, um, 
You know those novelty things that you squeeze and they kind of poke out this way and that way? You can never quite get a handle on them. Well, it's like, it's like that. If you squeeze on one end, it's going to squeeze out another end. If you try and squeeze it in this end to contain it, it's going to squeeze out that way. If you don't deal with your wounds, it's going to come out somewhere. I am not a professional counselor, but as a pastor, I get invited into um, a very privileged and a sacred place. Uh, it's this place of being invited into people's lives when they're in pain, looking for help or direction. And there's many times where I'm sitting across from somebody or a couple and they're in pain and they're in a place of being overwhelmed and I think to myself, who am I to speak into this? What do I have to give? I don't know what to do. Yes, true confessions of a pastor. We don't always know what to do. And perhaps you've felt that way with friends or family where they've been experiencing something difficult. Maybe it's been a divorce, a separation, you know, like a broken marriage, an illness like cancer, the loss of a loved one, or maybe even rejection. There's all sorts of things that come into our lives. And in moments like these, when I'm sitting across from that person, I cry out to the Lord inside and I say, Jesus, healer of all wounds, we need you. Holy Spirit, great helper, would you come and bring revelation and understanding? We don't get it. Would you open our eyes to see? Abba, Father, Daddy, we need your grace to flow. We need to feel your love right now flowing. Would you come? We need your help today. And time and again, the Lord has answered that prayer. He loves prayers like that, by the way. Jesus, help. (laughs) It's one of the shortest prayers you can pray, and it's very powerful. But I see a shift occur, something getting unstuck, healing starting to flow and move us through that tunnel a little farther towards the light. You see, each one of us is on a healing journey. Each one of us. It's a process. It's not a destination. It's something we're on, and we will continue on until we see Jesus face to face. And whether you know Jesus or not here today, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Period. He is. He's the way through. And the sooner we realize this, the sooner we will actually find true support and strength for the journey we're all on. That's why the sermon this morning, you don't need to go back to the title slide there, though, it is called Working Through Your Wounds. Dealing with our wounds, it actually takes work. It's, it's actually part of our responsibility in walking out a life as a follower of Jesus. And Jesus actually died to make us more than conquerors, it says in Romans 8.3. But you know what? The enemy, the devil, has a strategy that he works against us. He goes on a variety of angles, but I just want to focus on one this morning. Our wounds create an intimacy problem in our lives. It's a problem, an intimacy problem, that the devil loves to exploit. See, when we're wounded, it's natural for us to withdraw right, from a relationship or from different things to just find our bearings. 
Because the reality is our wounds hurt. <laughs> Whether we react to them in a godly way or an ungodly way, it still hurts. They're wounds, after all. However, the enemy loves to use how we react and respond when we're hurt as an opportunity to sow lies and to actually disconnect us from a relationship. Do you know the key strategy that the enemy uses? He's been using it for thousands of years to discourage and to disconnect the saints from dealing with their wounds. And it's this. He uses isolation. Isolation. He works to separate you from the good supports you have in your life and to get you believe that you are alone. I'm, the, I'm alone. I must be the only one who struggles with this. No one knows what I'm going through. I need to do this all on my own. I need to do it myself. See, the devil doesn't play fair. He never does. He works to get you disconnected from your relationships to people and ultimately to get you disconnected from Jesus. You know why? Because he wants all the worship. That's what got him kicked out of heaven in the first place. But the truth is, Jesus has promised to never leave you alone. You are not alone. That's how you take back ground from the enemy, using the truth of what God has said. Even if there isn't a single person left in your life, and it is a constant struggle each day, you have Jesus. You are not alone. Keep inviting him in to displace the darkness that wants to come in and snuff out the light. Ask Jesus to give you the strength to keep reaching out to other people again and again and again until you see movement. The devil will come and try and squish you back into that corner. Say, oh, I tried, but nobody responded. I guess I'll just have to stay here. No, Jesus, that's not where I'm supposed to be. Would you fill me with what I need to be able to keep reaching out and engaging with the people that are around me? If we're isolated, it means that we've become disconnected from the close relationships that are actually meant to heal us. If you're sitting here today and the Holy Spirit has just flicked on the light bulb in your mind about something that's gone on in your life, a place where you know that really, actually, no, I have been getting isolated Wow, that that snuck up on me. I didn't even see it. If that's you right now in this moment, I want to invite you to talk to Jesus right now, even as I am preaching this morning. Just talk to him. Confess the lie that you know that you swallowed to get you to where you are right now. Um, Invite him to break the power of that lie. Ask Jesus to just forgive you for swallowing it. Ask him to set you free. He will. He's promised to. Ask Jesus to turn things around so that you can follow his way of doing things and invite his help to get reconnected back to him and to other people. So you can't accomplish this on your own. You actually need the help 
of the Holy Spirit. You need the help of the Holy Spirit's power to actually break free from those things that would keep you disconnected. We can try and we can try and we can grit our teeth and we can try and, oh yeah, you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, just get over it. No, you need the help of the Holy Spirit to move through these things. You also need the help of a supportive community as well. People around you that are willing to wrap around and say, we love you too. We also need to understand the heart of God in the midst of all this. A few weeks ago, Pastor Norm was preaching, and he was preaching that through Christ's death and resurrection, that we've been given the grace and the capacity to live a life of wholeness, to live a life of freedom and victory. Jesus has made the way. Oh, there they are. There they are. It's just under the surface. That's where it is. (laughs) Jesus has made a way through the pain possible. He's made a way. Because of what Jesus has done, you and I have been given a tremendous gift. We've been actually given a way to heal and to deal with the pain and the wounds that we receive in this life. It doesn't mean that we won't have scars. But it means that we can find deep, satisfying healing. It means having peace when things are still difficult and unresolved. It's a healing that allows us to continue life's journey. And all of its complicated layers, it gets complicated, doesn't it? And he moves us towards greater hope and faith, fruitfulness and joy. If you want more of that kind of life, stick with Jesus. Don't get disconnected from him. He'll get you there if you let him take the driver's seat. So I want us to read, if you turn in your Bible to Psalm 103, it'll come up on the screen, but Psalm 103, starting verse 2. Here we see the heart of the psalmist, the songwriter, declaring and reminding us of who the Lord is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, your sin, who heals all your diseases, all of them or some of them, all of them, all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. That sounds to me like someone who is trying to remind us where our help truly comes from. Who is this God that we serve? He's saying, praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Don't forget, people. God forgives. He heals. He lifts us up out of dark places. He extends love and mercy. And he satisfies our souls. Behind these truths, up on the screen, lies someone trying to... Or is, no, I should say it this way. Behind these truths lies a question that the psalmist, the songwriter, would have needed to answer and be able to answer honestly before he penned these words of praise and worship. It's a question that is absolutely fundamental to dealing with life's wounds. And how you answer this question will actually determine how far and deep you will go with Jesus on your healing journey. 
And now that I've maybe piqued your interest a little bit, I'm going to delay and I'm going a different direction. Every human being needs to settle another question, a primary question that's prior to the one I want to share with you. And it's this. It can be expressed in a few different ways, but this is how I'm expressing it today. Is there a God? And if it's Jesus, what does that mean for me? We've got to settle that question. And I want to tell you today that the answer is yes, there is a God, and his name is Jesus. And he is meant to be the Savior and Lord of your life. And that was what was being expressed right here as these young people were getting baptized today. God sent his son into the world to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. You were designed for a purpose and to be part of God's family. Through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, Jesus paid the price for the sins that were counted against each one of us. He made a way for us to escape the curse of death. Jesus, who is God, made a way for us to be saved from the very consequences of sin and to be able to find a new, brand new life and to find wholeness, completeness with him. And if you've never settled the answer to that first question, you can today. And a relationship with Jesus starts with a simple prayer of faith that we'd be happy to pray with you. But now for those of you who are getting nervous, what's the second question, Aaron? (laughs) I'm going to come back to it here. It's a key to our healing. See, as followers of Jesus and his ways, we can believe, okay, God created the universe and he watches over us. We can believe and we might not like it all the time, but he's in charge. He's in control of everything. We believe actually that he's the final authority, the final say for all things. He's the one who actually sustains everything that is around us. And we're meant to serve and to worship him. That's what we're doing here today. We can even believe that he has a plan for our lives. But here's the question that needs to firmly settle in our heart, the answer. It's three simple words with a question mark at the end. Is God good? Is God good? All the time, God is good. I know there's, there's, a, there's a tape playing around in, in, in people's heads. There is something that we usually say, right? right? God is good. God is good. All the time, God is good, right? Yeah. This is not a question that you can answer just from your head. Yeah, Aaron, sure, I know that. Yeah, God's good. No, this is something you actually have to answer from a deep place of faith in your heart. You have to know it in your knower, if I can put it that way. You know, God might be sovereign over all things, but do you believe that he loves you with an everlasting love and is truly good all the time? If your heart answers yes, then even when it feels difficult to do so, you will work towards trusting and inviting Jesus into every corner of your life and invite him to bring wholeness to it. Why? Because you believe that no matter how bad things get, that the path that Jesus is leading you on, the story that he is writing, is the best one. 
And ultimately, it will be for your good, and he will get all the glory, because that's the way it's meant to be. You know that Jesus loves you, and you trust that he will get you through to the other side, even if you don't understand it all along the way. If your honest answer is no, well, thank you for being honest, if that's you. But I need to tell you, then you will keep Jesus at a distance. And you will continue to try healing your own wounds by yourself. It's the way it works. Ultimately, if God is not good, then you won't trust Jesus with your life. Why would you? I wouldn't. Chances are good. Maybe you like that you're saved from your sin, but you would just kind of rather that Jesus minded his own business and not poked his nose around in some areas of your life. You know, there's plenty of reasons that we keep Jesus out. We might be angry. We might be offended with God. Maybe you're actually fearful of well, what will actually happen if I let Jesus into this area of my life to heal it? It hurts a lot there. Can I trust you, Jesus? Maybe you don't even know where the wounds are in your life. You're worried, what's going to happen if I open the door and invite the Holy Spirit to kind of bring things to the surface? I don't know what's in there. Let me tell you, you can trust Jesus with your whole entire life. He made you. He knows you. He loves you. And he has a good plan for your life. I want to encourage you with God's resume. Just a few verses to remind us about who Jesus is. Psalm 34. This is one of my favorite verses when it comes to the care of God. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves. He lifts up those whose spirits are crushed. That's the kind of God we have. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And he has mercy, compassion over all that he has made. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. God hears you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Not on your own terms, but going, Jesus, help Romans 8, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And lastly, in Philippians 1 verse 6, I'm sure of this, says Paul, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. When everything is all sewn up and Jesus comes back, it will all be accomplished, every one of it, everything. And here's what I want us to understand. Here's the bedrock. Here's the foundational truth. 
when you as a Jesus follower rise up in faith and trust Jesus to walk you through life's wounds. Jesus is king. The God who is sovereignly in control of all things loves you and he has a good plan and purpose for your life. It's not about you, it's actually about him so that he gets all the glory in all things. The second thing is God is good. He's completely trustworthy and wants to be a part of your healing journey. Invite him into everything. And third, you are loved. The Lord is absolutely head over heels for you. The Lord is absolutely committed to seeing Christ formed in you. And he will do whatever it takes to help you look and become more like Jesus. When we resist, it gets uncomfortable because he's that committed to forming Christ in us. And what the Lord transforms is beautiful. It's glorious. The thing I love about the love of Christ, about the way God loves us, Maybe I'll say it this way. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force his way into our lives. He wants to be invited. He'll, he'll see along with you the pile of stuff we all know that we need to deal with. But he won't just barge in and go, hey, blah, 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 this is what we got to do, and blah, blah, this is where we're going to go, and I, you need to do this no matter what. Now, the Holy Spirit actually waits for us to invite him in and say, Lord, I need help. Would you, would you show me where I need to go now? And as we walk his path, the Holy Spirit knows how to actually unravel things. And as we do it his way, actually the pile starts to go down way faster than if we try and kind of pick and choose off of that ourselves. It's because you're loved and he knows the way through. While many of our deepest wounds, they find their source in our past, I don't actually encourage people to go digging around in their past on their own, with, at least not on their own, without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit's help. That's one of the reasons we do Set Free Weekends and we do our Hearing God seminars. They're just so vital in our teaching and, and growing in our walk with Jesus. Because with the Holy Spirit's help, if we actually have the tools to understand how to keep cleaning out the junk, how to keep dealing with our stuff, it actually becomes easier to hear God. Our intimacy with Him actually grows and increases. If we flip that around, if we can actually hear God speaking into our lives, it's actually easier to find our way through life's challenges with faith and with trust. And the same thing happens. Our intimacy with him and with the relationships around us actually grow stronger. To me, it's win-win. Sometimes we actually need the expertise of a trained counselor or a therapist. Sometimes we need a pastor's perspective. Sometimes we need a Stephen minister. We've got Stephen ministers at Gateway who are people who are lay pastors, kind of that walk alongside people during some difficult times in their lives. Sometimes we need to actually 
break out of that isolation we've found ourselves in and just pick up the phone, call a brother or sister in Christ and say, this is where I'm at. Would you pray with me? I trust you because I know you're going to actually push me into Jesus and not some self-help book. Sometimes we just simply need to lean on Jesus and spend quiet time with him day by day by day. And in that quiet time, he actually works through his word and by his Holy Spirit massaging and working in us to actually bring healing over a longer period of time. I've had some of my most deepest and most profound moments of healing when I've taken time to be alone with Jesus. But whatever the case, you and I were not designed to be the walking wounded. Can I say that again? We weren't designed to be the walking wounded, especially not the walking dead. (laughs) We're meant to be alive, right? We've been made alive in Christ. Jesus is our healer. He was the one who was actually wounded on our behalf so that we could have abundant life in Christ. So we could have it actually at work within us. Jesus said himself, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that they may have life, abundant life, life to the full, the kind of life that I have. I want to give it to them, to us. See, the wounded healer, Jesus, the wounded healer is here today by his Holy Spirit. And if you will walk with him at his speed, in his way, not yours, Jesus will heal and set you free. He will. We may not ever understand why we need to carry some of the stuff we need to carry until we see him face to face. There's some questions that just don't get answered. But keep trusting him with your entire life, not just parts of it. He has promised never to leave you and to never forsake you. He's good and he will get you to where, you, where he wants you to be. You're loved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do want to continue declaring that you alone are good. Jesus, that's what you said. <laughs> Only my Father in heaven is good. Why do you call me good? Well, Jesus, we can call you good because you're the Lord. Lord, I want to invite you by your Holy Spirit as you've been working in people's hearts today that you would help them to release any of the lies that would hold them back. Break their power. As those things get confessed to you, as they get brought before you, as people resolve to invite you into those areas of their lives where they know they need you, but they've been doing it on their own. Lord, thank you. Your word says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone would open, I will come in and I will eat with him. Lord, that's not just for people who don't know you yet. That is for us as believers. Lord, would you help us to keep the door open to you? That Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be times where 
you find the door closed and actually need to knock. Help us to be open to you and help us to walk through the wounds that we carry to a place of fruitfulness and joy. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to move past our fears and our anxieties about what might be or what could be or what might never be and move forward with the faith of what you have said in your word that the good works that you have planned since before the beginning of time in each of us will be accomplished on the day of Christ Jesus. We know you love us and Lord, we want to say we love you back. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your care and grace. And Jesus, thank you for what you have made possible for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.